You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Standing in Two Worlds with Dr. Sam Juni from Yerushalayim, Irakadosh. Sam, I don't know if you're going to go out to the airport, but there is a special mishlachat, a special mission from the Aguda, Am Echod. I don't know how many Rabbanim it is, but I know it's a lightning trip, 48 hours, to show the Knesset, to show Matan Kahana, to show Bennett that the diaspora Judaism is up in arms because of the changes that are, have been proposed in, in the Knesset to a number of issues uh, where they want to sort of streamline, I, I guess, and take away <laughs> practically some of the hegemony and control from the Rabbanut Rashid. Now, the areas I don't want to talk about is Kashrus, uh, which we know is really the Wild West and full of a tremendous amount of corruption. I know as being a little bit of a cautious person. But I want to talk about the the issue that's been making headlines here, and I think they're in there as well, is that uh, there has been suggestions that the Rabbanuta Rashid uh, should loosen their control over conversions, that although Ben-Gurion uh, struck a deal of the status quo option so many, many uh, decades ago that the essential I- ideas of Kedushin and Gerishin, of marriage and divorce, about ra- who would be perpetuating Jewish families would be under the Orthodox rabbinic control. Included in that was also the control of who is a Jew, who can convert and become a Jew. And therefore, all the conversions that happen in Eretz Yisrael, for since the state was formed, essentially, the ones that occur in Israel are under Rabbanut control. Now, for years, just to set the table, you could you could get a conversion outside of Eretz Yisrael if it was recognized by the Rabbanut, meaning you could get conversions from various Batei Dinim in America, but in Israel itself, it had to be under the control of the Rabbanut. Now, there has been as, as is well known, it's been documented uh, that there has been mass uh, immigration to Israel from various countries, primarily the former Soviet Union, where we know that there was a, a mix of all sorts of uh, Slavic and Latvian and s- semi-Semitic uh, groups together. And many of them felt that they were Jewish because they either married a Jew, they had some affinity to Judaism, and they came to Israel as a way to leave the Soviet Union, not necessarily because of um, uh, any sort of altruistic or religious reason, but it was a way out. They, re- they uh, identify as Jew, but it's clear that from they cannot halachically establish that. So Israel is saddled with people who are not halakhically Jewish, who would like to understand that they are not, who want to convert. Unfortunately, the backlog and the, uh, the I would say, the fine-tooth comb uh, criticism of many of those have not allowed them to convert. So you have in Israel a population of, we would say, I would guess, 100% Jews living with halakhically non-Jews, 
and there there was a, uh, a, a inability to get these people converted through the rabbanut. So Matan Kahana, I believe, and others uh, have said that we need to reform this system. We have to allow the the provincialities, the every little the community, to form their own bate dinim and get conversions done. Otherwise, we have these people who are in limbo, who because tech they don't have the crown of Judaism on their head, um, they are in a way not true citizens of the state. It, you don't need to be a Jew to be a citizen of the state, but since this has been denied them, and the Rabbanut is not allowing that to happen, for I, whether it's proper halachic reasons or not, they feel frustrated. So because of that, they are they they want they are citizens, they are voters, they want to be accepted as complete Jews. Let's allow Kahana has said them to have a conversion which has perhaps a lower standard, a different standard, a more efficient standard that allows them to become part of the population and to be productive towards the country. That's what Kahana wanted. The backlash has been incredible. Uh, there has been a unific. There's been a tremendous unity in pushback from the Sephardim, the Ashkenazim, uh, and it's a it's it's a major uh like i said they decided to send all these people from america with 150,000 signatures to show them that this is something that can't change all right that's the news for today i can stop the podcast right now and say okay that's your news go weiter but what the reason why this i felt i should talk to you about it not because i want to hear your halakhic opinion about whether you think we need other uh but they didn't what I want to write about that, if you don't want to hear my Allah opinion. Yeah, <laughs> right. It would, it would be fascinating, I'm sure. But yeah, I don't I think, but, but that's not the reason why, you know, we put you on this perch. That's not the reason why we have done 60 odd programs together. The reason is, is because you understand um, and are familiar with the mental state, the psychology, the motivations of people who, who want to convert. Uh, you know, it's clearly there are people out there, Kahana is saying, who want to be part of a Klal Yisrael for real religious reasons and are being uh, shunted away. And the process is, is, is too, uh, it's too slow. It's not efficient. It's full of too much red tape. And, and, and because there's only one line to get into, that line is... Is, is unwieldy. Let's 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 open up boutique, so to speak, boutique shops, and this way, even the people who really want to become Jews can can have their uh, opportunity. That's where I say Sam Juni, because we all know why would anybody want to do to go through this? Yes, I understand the benefit of living in Israel and having the title. You know, I want to take it out of Israel. That was just my excuse to get you talking about specifically, why would someone, what's the mentality of someone? To unpack this, I'll give you four, four headings, let's say, maybe five, but four headings of the types of people that convert. I just want to say that I am including in this category people who convert to other religions. I'm also including um, the Balchuva phenomenon, which in the sense is a conversion from one, from one, shall we say, religious corner to another, but I'm including it all. And the question is, why do people undergo changes in what they call religion? 
or religious religious observance. So let me start off by saying um, <clears throat> the um, classic understanding, Kuzari, um, whatever, those kinds of uh, archetypes that um, convert because they um, have examined reality, they've gone through all of the um, extant religions or major religions, or they've gone through the logic philosophically, and they've studied St. Augustine and St. Anselm and Aristotle and Maimonides. Um, those people, uh, I would say, they, and, and again, let's just say I usually get people when they're in trouble. I don't usually get someone to say I'm working very well, but um, I do know other people as well, just from my studies of uh, culture here in Israel that uh, don't have troubles and we get to know them simply to understand them. So let me say those who convert or change their religious orientation because of of, um, convictions and whatever, I would put them way less than half a percent of the people who undergo that, way less. Um, So we'll start with that. Um, I would say most, and when I say most, I'm talking in the 90s now, or 85% of the people who undergo these kinds of changes do it um, because of some kind of maladjustment that they have. Um, I'm not going to call them nuts. Some people do. And supposedly, this is either a symptom of or some way to solve their problems from their own perspective. So that covers most of it. Then we also have um, what I would call um, nuts, And they are the people who had a vision. I mean, I know such people who work both ways. I know um, um, at least one person who grew up in my neighborhood who was Ampat and then saw Jesus and she became a major missionary here in Haifa in Israel. Does a lot of good social work, but also converts people. And then um, there are also people who see, um, you know, God coming to them and telling them, hey, go back to your ways. You really are Moshe. You are Mashiach. I don't know who you are. And again, but those are, are, are we call them nut jobs uh, derisively, and uh, maybe for good reason. Um, then there's also um, opportunists, and we don't need to talk about that, people who do it because they want to be famous, they want to get, I don't know, hits on their Twitter accounts, or uh, again, uh, that's nothing psychological, that the opportunities exist everywhere, and and then finally, we have people, and there I'm talking not so much about people who are seeing themselves as changing their convictions, but changing their religious practices, and um, those are people, let's say, who are drawn to a religious life that's very structured, that has rules, that leaves you no choices. And that might seem like very um, um, unappealing to most of us, but for some people that provides security. It means they have no options. They have nothing to worry about, nothing to fret about. Everything you think, do, or say is all prescribed. And then you have a, you can live the life of Riley, at least from... from um, from from their particular perspective, that that last one that you mentioned, is so, I guess, is somewhat similar to the uh, sort of uh, wandering teenager who decides he's going to sign up for the military, right? Uh, yes, of uh, you, course. And, of and course. we and we do find that here in the United States and other places where people look in the mirror and say, "I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, I'm sick of just waking up whenever all hours and not having a purpose. Maybe if I sign up for the military." Uh, it will 
give me uh, when I have to wake, when I have to eat. Or even let's say a, a, an accomplished student in the Lakewood, in, in the Lakewood Yeshiva who decides that they are no longer going to make any judgments. Everything they want to know, they will go to their particular rabbi and he will advise them about everything, including where to park the car. I mean, you name it. There's no question. Everything has a lot of implications. Therefore, I am now exempt from making decisions, which is very heartwarming to some of us. Mm-hmm. So it isn't. But so those are two different things, though. One is abdication of self, and the other is submission to um, a, a, a structure, knowing that. It's not good for me to be unstructured. This is good for me. You know, I feel a sense as in, in Hebrew, we were called uh, to do things. I'm checking these boxes. And uh, whether, I, whether I really believe in this core behind it, I don't know. But I feel much better that I actually have Natilas Yadayim first thing in the morning. Uh, tzitzis, right after that. Uh, I go to this shul, right after that, and I do my 20... 20- and I can tell you that I know people who are totally irreligious to just come up with a structure for themselves where every option is prescribed in advance, and they feel very good about it. I mean, they, they, this is what fills up their day, their life, and their psyche. And of course, we have all kinds of... Um, um, psychiatric explanations as to where that comes from but that's a mode of functioning that's around and see i i the point i want to make is that some people who say they become more religious they really are talking about rituals not beliefs or not relationship with god and that's an important distinction yeah well again the, the it is a very thick uh separator between your physical actions and your heart and mm-hmm. what's going on in your mind and soul and and feeling and it, it, it like like you say it is easy to uh to craft a a a program that you do continuously uh and you can feel good at the end of the day saying i did that program and you can also feel a sense of superiority not only to your former self but to the other people that are around that don't have that. And I think that's probably, if we talk about Geirim, uh, converts who feel that way, there is a certain smugness that you sometimes feel, sometimes comes through uh, when you see a Geirim Tzedek, like the Gemara says, Koshuli Yisrael Kisapachas, because they many times turn to the, Jew, the Jews who are Jews from birth and say, you know, you're not, you're not, you have, you're not being careful about this and that. Boo-hoo, here we go. Yeah. So okay. So, but let's move back to the uh, to the earlier types that you were talking about. Um, you say that the ones out of religious conviction who really um, seem to say that, as you say, the king of the Khazars, who recognizes through his uh, interviews and research that Judaism is so correct, you believe that represents a very small amount of of the population that wants to become a Jew? I've met one person like that, one, in my entire career. And I can tell you that I dealt with uh, what you call heretics, apostates, Bali Tshuva, Chayzun B'Shayla, whatever it is. Many, many of those people, um, uh, mostly from my research, because we did a lot of research um, with minorities throughout, and also clinically, because some people don't necessarily come in for their religious problems. Now, with somebody who is a, a convert, 
can also have um, difficulties with anxiety and depression, asking somebody who's turned into an Islamist. So I've dealt with a lot of these people. I've met one person who actually um, um, got there through reasoning, and I'm not commenting on the validity of the reasoning at all. You know, first of all, the guy's much smarter than me, and second of all, I have my opinions about that, which are irrelevant to this particular experience. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but well, I, they're not around. They are not Benimsa. I, I, no, it, it's interesting that um, you say that because you know that I, I'm not sure how ancient uh, the honorific is, but we know that in so many sources we are um, directed to refer to all the converts as Ben Avram Avinu, right, the son of Abraham, yeah, and and yeah. and and and, and the midrashic description of Abraham has him as this great seeker, this great thinker, right? This great... So let me, just, let me just comment about Abraham, okay? So to me, right, if, 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 if God came to me one day and... With an idol worshiper dad who, right. uh, who looked around and, 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 and speculated right. and right. saw... You know, I hear you. So, so you're, that's the when we say Ben Avram Avinu. Well, right. he was. Let, let me just. I want to add a clause. He may have been very brilliant, but I can tell you something else. I have met stupid people, and I really mean very stupid people who changed their religions because of their logic, and their logic is not worth a nickel. Okay, so in other words, they see this happen. They say there's no way that could have happened if God wasn't there and supervising everything. Why? Because one day they missed their flight, and the flight was going to ended up. Bombing out or, or falling out of the sky, and that's their proof. So, I mean, I can't count them as logical. I count them as stupid people. Okay. So, if you want to count those, there are a bunch of people who have these logics, and and you know, again, I put them in another category altogether. But you're talking about people who were sophisticated enough and really investigated the issues and came came up with this allegedly um, a convincing or compelling um, conclusion. Yeah, I, I don't know them. I mean, you knew Abraham. I didn't know Abraham. Okay. You know well, him, fine. well, I, I have no, I have known a Abraham-like figure, someone who actually okay. uh, uh, was a part of the May, I think Maynard Hutchins School of of, of 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 social research in the University of Chicago, who was a student of of Leo Strauss and others, uh, a non-Jewish person who read and read, and eventually um, he was able. And of course, a lot of it is personality, but. He has this. He described to me his intellectual arc that led him to mm-hmm. first a a conversion, a sort of a conservative conversion, and then an orthodox conversion. But I have to tell you, even that person. But let me just say, I know, I do know someone who was an orthodox Catholic and converted to the um, um, to the Mormon Church of Saints, and is actually almost an apostle at this point. And again, brilliant person, brilliant. But I know his background that there were some kind of um, social stressors there. So I am suspect. suspect. Well, well, especially, again, there are people you could probably make fun of a lot of the underpinnings of, of, of standard Judaism. You know, but Mormonism, if the deeper you get, the weirder it sounds, as you know. You know, well, the, weird, I, is not, weird is not a turnoff when it comes to truth. If you've studied, like you know, um, modern physics, weird is not a. There are actually some particles that are called weird particles. That's not I, I, I understand, but again, the idea that you know about Joseph Smith and the salamander and aliens from from another uh, from another dimension, all of that 
is, is, is not uncommon to, to the Mormon practice, although as, as, as we've talked about, the Mormon uh, lifestyle and what the Mormon, uh, the healthiness of the Mormon life is something which I think is a shame with Teferis for almost all including communities. The, including their spiritual health. Including their spiritual yes, they are They are amazingly well balanced and the, the, uh, the, the incarceration rate in Mormon communities is very, very small. And the, the, the underclass in terms of not being helped, Mormonism does a tremendous job. And you can see someone wanting to become part of that community because of the way they, the way they help. Now, let me just tell you this. You say you know one person. I know a certain person. And I studied with him for a number of years. And by the way, we studied Kuzari together, plus many other works. And, um, but when I did a little bit of a deeper dig into why he would become a Jew, it, what really cemented it for him it was, it definitely was his meeting a Jewish woman. And I think that this is, here's my point. As a, as a person who's been on a Besden, as a person myself who has been involved in conversions, has been involved in dealing with, with, with converts, it generally is not a one factor. Nor the, and, and, and the rabbis know that. The rabbis know that matters of the heart and matters of marriage go hand in hand. It's very rarely, almost is, is, is like you say, pure for the sake of, uh, of, I know this is the right religion. I met someone, that someone is Jewish. I then went to uh, investigate Judaism. Uh, I met my, my, my uh, lovers or the person I would want to be my lover's friends and family. And I was so impressed by everything I saw. And it confirmed for me some of the doubts that I had with my own. So there you're sort of talking about a combination. Had there not been the uh, attraction, had there not been, and, and from our side, the fact that it's verboten to marry outside of the religion, that person would never have converted. Does that mean the person is suffering from some sort of, you know, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's convenient, but they also well, come see, through. Don't, don't call it suffering. It means that he's subject to emotional um, pressures to do things that seem pseudological. And now that I think of it, the person that I know, the one person who got there through conviction, he basically blew me out of the water when he told me that he spoke to his wife about it and says, unless you do it with me, I'm not converting. And I found that very disturbing because here I thought I got somebody pure for someone who discovers the truth, you know, discovers the real, you know, answer, allegedly, um, to say that they're only doing it if certain social um, 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 stars line up sounds a a little bit... um, uh, suspect. It's, it makes the conviction sound a little bit suspect. Although I do know, I, I can understand people saying, even though I know that it's the truth, I'd rather live in falsehood and be happy socially than live in truth and be miserable. So, okay. But, but I, I usually people, whether they don't have that level of stark honesty or right, they would rather say, I met this person. I love this person. I can live in that person's life and I can be very good at it because, right. And, 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 and come to the same way we say, I, I, right. You come to love someone like in, in fiddle on the roof, right. Do you love me? Okay. I've done all this. If that's not love, what is look, mm-hmm. I can come to love your religion as well. 
I can I can accept it. Uh, it, it, it allows me. And, and for most people who are low level enough, I can actually believe in it if necessary. So because belief is not really um, that lofty of an idea. Belief is more like, a, again, some confuse it with conduct. And some uh, belief is like, sure, you want me to believe this? I'll believe that. Like, you know, you, you threaten. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking pr- primarily of many of the Moranos who were caught and then converted to Christianity. They became very loyal Christians because they felt, okay, I committed myself. Now I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because you don't want to live a law. You don't want to live a sense of... Right, right. That's of, where cognitive dissonance comes in. Sure. Cognitive dissonance. They, can, well, they convince well, themselves. Well, what about... The, but but the, let's talk about the mysterious gear, right? What, the one who... It isn't just because I met this girl. Uh, and, and the one who isn't necessarily the, the, uh, the Abraham-like philosopher. Um, you, in terms of where do they fit in, you would think, the ones who say, look, something just told me I was Jewish. I know exactly something. what that something is. What is that? It's a neurotic fear that they can't handle, and then the ego translates it into this panacea. I know what it is. But, but you hear them say, I just knew. You know, sure, even though it's sure. not that my parents were cruel to me, I just knew that I wasn't belonging here. And 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 then that's, it, the, that's the marvels of ego's repression. That's the marvels that you really it really convinces you as well. You really don't know until you go to psychoanalysis to find out why you're doing things that are off the wall. Sure. And so, it, which is interesting, Sam, because from our perspective. Um, you know, we talk about the, in, in Chazal the mystery of the gear. Um, you know, you know why would you want this? And 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 therefore, writers like the Maral and others have said that what's going on here is that the soul was at Sinai, and was somehow thrown into some area where it beca- where it's born in 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 Idaho or in Montana in Bari Bari or or wherever. And here's the soul getting its way back, swimming its way like the salmon. I have no reason to to disbelieve that. I just argue with the fact that you think you have to use this kind of explanation when I have daily occurrences with people that are clearly managed by motives that are really not that ethereal. They're fairly gritty and earthy, and they're not aware of it. And that's precisely what they go for help because they don't know what's going on and I help them discover what's going on. So <laughs> does that mean that it's not true that there are some uh, um, lofty, um, supernatural, whatever it is, soulmate, whatever kind of stuff? It doesn't mean that it's not, but I don't see the basis for that conclusion because we have much more sundry conclusions that we see happening all the time. Yeah. Okay. Look, I look. I would love to believe in that because it, because it, it, it would make sense that someone would throw away so much of their comfortable lifestyle and adopt uh, Orthodox Judaism if that if that's the case. Because even according to what you're saying, that there's some sort of dissonance that they that that, that a psychological uh, meeting with you and others would bring out. Does it necessarily indicate why? It's Judaism and not Islam. Does it indicate why it's Judaism and not the, you know, uh, becoming part of the Sufis 
or which is part of Islam, but Judaism and not being part of the Hamang, Judaism and not being a part of, uh, let's say, the Sikhs. The, the, right. you know, no, usually, usually, usually that's not sufficient. You have to have some kind of social variables like familiarity or whatever, some side benefits. Of course, it's not sufficient to explain. I mean, unconscious motivation is not sufficient to explain all behavior. Everybody knows that when you're hungry and you eat, there doesn't have to be an unconscious message there. Sure. Right, but but again, when you open the fridge, why is it that you decided it was going right. to be the, yes. the, the yes. cottage cheese and not the yogurt? That's where Freud. That's where Freud comes in. No question. So it's interesting that so that that we do have whatever percentage that decides I'm going to zero in on on Judaism, um, and and you also hear Sam that you know I grew up. And I met a Jew and there was something about, again, these are stories that you tell yourself after the fact, but you yep. sometimes hear. Called rationalizations. Right. And they, they'll say, I met a Jew once and it really meant a lot to me. And, and, and there, was a Jewish, there was a Jewish merchant in town that I remember uh, gave credit to my dad. You know, they're, they're, you hear stories like this. And then the lo time. and behold, you have the story that you find out that the grandmother was really a Murano and this guy is really Jewish. Right. And then there's another fable about Cinderella, if you wish. <laughs> right. But but again, these are some of the the, the convert stories that, that we that we have. Sam, I want to talk to you about that right now to jump from there. The thing they want most is anonymity. So talk about the, the two types of, of, of Garim in, in that way. The one that really not because they're going to get money from it, but they actually feel they can inspire you with their story. And the other said, look, I don't even want to talk about my story at all. I don't want to talk about who I was. Just I'm just the the, the 10th person for the minion. So can you talk about those two types? Well, let's just say that there is um, a pervasive stigma um, towards converts based on the um, address that they converted to. There's a major stigma and uh, I can give you some examples, some of which are really like troubling and, and um, upsetting, especially among the Haredi community, um, at least within Judaism, the Haredi community and the Hasidic community to some extent, and the Sephardim, regardless of any religiosity. So that stigma, um, and also, of course, just, you know, the standout, like my mother used to say, um, uh, convert. And the past dates are all crazy, are both crazy. All right, so that's a formula that many people just have off the cuff. And not everybody wants to subject themselves to that. So I can see a very good reason for wanting to be anonymous. I can also see that people who are truly devoted to their religion don't want to spend time talking to people about their history. That, that's not the point. The point is they want to serve God and have a establish a nice relationship with them. So I don't question that at all. I question people who wear it on their sleeves. Why? Does that show that you got into this for the um, uh, uh, PR angle, for the notoriety? Are you trying to uh, rub it in the face of your host family to show them I've abandoned you and now you can regret the horrible things you did to me or the the lack of attention you pay to me, I don't know. But to me, not making a production is what makes sense. How many people who had cancer and recovered go ahead and talk about it all day? I mean, why? So to me, that um, that makes more sense. It's the people who make noise that to me um, um, basically um, are giving the message that there's something else going on here. Well, it, it's interesting that you say that because 
know, when the rabbis talk about uh, one of the um, admonitions in our speech, which is not to, uh, it's called onat dvarim, onos dvarim. So one of the examples is to uh, speak to a convert about their past. Now, I always understood this to mean that it isn't trying to be cruel and say, nah, nah, you know, you came from, you know, you, your mother was a hell's angels biker and your dad was a, was an acid freak. No, what it's about is look how far you've come. Look, look what you've been able to accomplish. I love you so much because look at the great uh, s- uh, struggle that you've done. In other words, it's a backhanded compliment. You love me as much as your a pedestrian neighbor who did not convert, but was naturally Jewish, do you? That's a suspicion. That's a suspicion. Right. Right. My, my point is the person is shocked that the convert is insulted, right? The person is actually, the person says, did I hurt his feelings? I just mentioned, I just couldn't, I, I wanted to praise the person about, about their accomplishments. But well, the, let me, let me give well, wait, 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 let me just get the point. But okay. that is what the Torah is telling us. That that is cruelty. You are in in a way it's onaa. In in a way you you are robbing him of his dignity by reminding him of this, and you feel that you're just trying to be complimentary. But really, yeah. but really, I I think what it is is that the you. This is my psychological reading on this. When a person does that, in a way he is trying to assuage his own sense of inferiority towards this convert because he he has not done what the convert did so he feels well i can praise you as one of the pack for what you've done and this way i don't feel threatened by the enormity of what you've accomplished and therefore i'm going to talk about your past as if i'm trying to compliment you the convert himself feels like you open up a wound you open up a pain when you talk about my past i don't want that so let me just introduce the listeners to, to a cultural psychology concept, which is called microaggression, okay? The microaggression is something that both the perpetrator and the general society would view as a compliment when it really is a way of putting someone down. And the typical example is um, um, telling your taxi driver from the airport, like, wow, how long have you been in this country? Wow, and you speak Hebrew so well, or you speak English so well, which we mean as a compliment, and often it results in getting yelled at or the person cursing at you. So that's that, that sounds the same over here. It sounds like you're, you're saying something good, but the person definitely perceives it as saying, oh, yeah, you've gone pretty far based on your dire background and your um, uh, inappropriate uh, thinking or whatever. Sure, I get that. I get it. So right. I would say, um, if you really are set on what you're doing, just forget about it. Don't talk to me about it. Which is what I'm saying. I, I think that's part of the lesson of we call Ono Sager, which leads me to the next point, that one of the things Kahana and others want to change is the extremely protracted process that although technically it's not Ono Sager because they haven't converted yet, but God tells us in so many places, as we know, love the convert, respect the convert, respect their privacy, treat them as, as well as you can. What's, what's happened in Israel, and, and this is 
and, and in America too, because I am uh, a part of a number of rabbinic organizations, that this is our modus operandi, is to make it tough for the convert. The person who, who is not yet, it takes months, sometimes years, monitoring. And it could be a three, four-year process often. And this is one of the things that I think is, is, is frustrating and seems to run counter to the idea of loving and accepting. Um, can you comment to that, this idea? Yes, of- I, I'm gonna comment, I'm gonna comment based on my experience because you know we have studied converts as a culture. There are actual um, entire um, neighborhoods or cities, I would say, um, cities. Uh, yeah, we can call it that, uh, uh, consisting of converts and usually from certain um, geographic locations from, from, um, from overseas. And I can tell you that there is a program making it hard for converts, which I am no expert about. It's not, not, I don't have any training in that. But I can tell you that the process has resulted in impoverishing people converted. I mean, I, I know families who were quite well-to-do. And by the time their conversion process was over, they didn't have a cent to their name and were living basically in, in, in flop houses or worse. And I also know that part of the difficulties with the process here are due to the incompetence uh, and the, the, the bizarre setup of rules and regulations, which is done like Hector Skelter in many um, um, agencies in Israel, but especially in the gear, in the gear um, um, uh, industry, so to speak. I call it an industry. Well, that's my political orientation. But there are things there that are just vestiges of old rules that don't make sense. Motor vehicles used to look like that in Israel until they've perfected, at least that, let's just say they've... Um, uh, tapered it down to something that's more tolerable, but the yeah. gear system, the rules and whatever, that's just basic incompetence. And that's something I think I Kahana should get credit for trying to cut through that. The question is that he also is cutting through some principles which some people hold dear, and I understand that, but I can tell you that I've heard, and again, I don't want to step on your, your rabbinic toes there, but I've heard from people who are decent halachic authorities in the um, Haredi Leumi, um, um, Haredi Leumi actually, not even that the Leumi system. And what they have said is that there is a real existential danger to Israeli Jews by the fact that there are so many um, citizens here and people who are considered Israelis who are not really Jewish because intermarriage is rising like crazy, especially since the layman doesn't really know the exact criteria, and that that has a danger of affecting the um, the standards of Judaism for everybody. And I think we're, the way they depict it, they are in the same situation as Ezra was when all people came back who were intermarried. They haven't reached it there yet, but it will happen. People intermarry here like crazy. I mean, with Arabs, there are certain kinds of social uh, boundaries, but here... There is no social boundary. These are people that you go to, you, you went to school with. These are people you serve in the army with. These are your best buddies. And the the, uh, the danger, the existential danger, is, is is really there. And there, I mean, that's why Kahana, who sees this more as a, uh, shall we say, a, a systems problem, says, "Look, we have enough rabbis who go for this. What makes you feel um um 
what gives you the right to be so intransigent in these rules? I mean, we've seen the um, the political system giving way to uh, political, economic or political concerns when it comes to danger to life of COVID. Why not do it here? And of course, they can find many presidents from Maimonides to various kinds of- Yeah, the, the Rambam is the main- the Rambam right, is the yeah, main. There are other the Rambam is the main. Stuff. Yeah, but he's the main stuff. flag. He's the main so, flag. So I'm saying, because, but this is Kahana's orientation, and I really understand them very well. Okay, I am. Not, I can't say that I'm a Haredi theologian who'll say, but. So I don't have those buts. So offhand, it sounds pretty pleasant. And the way the social community here has painted them is that these Haredis are some kind of. Um, old holdouts for some kind of extreme religion that was never practiced and that they are using their political power here to try to enforce it on uh, the general population. So that's my take of this, shall we say, from the sociological point of view. Yeah, let me just respond on on two two ways. Um, This idea of the drawn out conversion um, is is based scripturally on, uh, on the events that are in the book of Ruth Sefer Rus, of the way Naomi uh, treats Rus, uh, how she uh, expects Rus to uh, to go away, how she sends her away. And remember, Rus was a uh, a, a woman who was married, and and to Naomi's child. Right? She had no children, but she was very. She felt already sociologically close to this family. Right, she came to be part of that family, and yet she was told, "Go away, go." Right, and, and her conduit to Judaism was the family. It wasn't the other way around. Right, that's so my point. It's like almost like marrying in and wanting to that, convert. That's my point. And yet here she was being told, "No, no, you you'll be better off in another place." The rabbis in the Masechtas Yavamis use this as a model to of this of how to dissuade and 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 if you read that it sounds pretty powerful we are hated we are persecuted it's tough you you think you're going to get to Olamaba? man this is one of the hardest things in the world the the laws and, and the details are so difficult to comprehend you're going to be an outsider so there has been this rabbinic uh admonition to to make it difficult in order for who's going to pass the test, right? It's sort of like tryouts for the basketball team. First, have everybody run laps like crazy. So this way, 80% of the kids say, okay, this is not for me. The 20% who stay are the ones who show something different. And that, I think, was where... The rationale of basic training in some armies also. That's right. So that's really the idea of this process. But but I uh, agree with you that... The amount of time it takes can stunt and uh, poison the feeling because, and I have had converts, people who are in the conversion process call me and say, what's going on? You know, I really want this, but what the rabbis are doing here is so frustrating to me. And and I can and, also add that I know some people who, because of that, when they finally do convert, say, I have nothing to do with this religion now. I got my, my my ticket and that's it. And they were they were actually um, all set to be observant. And they say this is the, I, I don't know what here. I know more in Amsterdam, but um, sure. So this is, I think, part of uh, you know an idea that makes sense from a psychological perspective, which is let's winnow out the ones who really don't belong here. 
who are, who are doing it for the wrong reasons, but it ends up really ricocheting back and sure. creating uh, th this, neg this, this negativity. And I think that's something... I'd like to throw in one more thing, so long as we're doing the Israeli hopper, and that is some insinuations uh, towards Kahana that he's basically using the... Um, the um, orientation that we find in the other denominations of Judaism, like in conservative reform, where they have a motif to convert those who um, marry uh, um, Jewish spouses for two reasons. First of all, to make sure that at least the Jewish spouse stays Jewish. And second of all, because they want to increase the ranks to compensate for people who basically become non-Jewish through assimilation or just through seceding and saying they have no religion. I don't think, look, I don't know, but there is um, vilifying Kahanda that way, I think is, um, unless you know him personally and know some information, there's no reason to say that. I, as far as I'm concerned, he's very concerned, uh, first of all, humanely for people who are being tormented because of incompetence. And second of all, because this is a major uh, danger here that um, you will have like, such intermarriage that basically you will need a Ksav Yochsen for anybody to, yeah. to be connected to a minion. Look, if I, again, I know very, I haven't done a deep dive into the issues, but it would seem that the idea of allowing other Batei Dinim, because there are plenty of them that, that can arise or already are around, other than under the Rabbanut, makes sense. Or the RCA, yeah. Right, makes sense. The problem is when you are dealing with Bate Dinim, conservative and reform Bate Dinim, that don't have our uh, requirements at all. And I think that is where conservative and reform are waiting, and they've been waiting for a long time, to get an official foothold in Eretz Yisrael. They because, got it. They yeah. got it. And, and I think that is why this has been such a big pushback and why you have you know, all the mm -hmm. 150,000 signatures, why Sfardim Nashkenazim are making common cause, because no they doubt. realize yep. this no is doubt. No doubt, you're right. That's the motivation for all the um, uh, Bruaha, sure. And, and, and I, I think that the, what, and this is really the frustration of the reform and conservative, which is really coming out of the frustration that the Pew um, uh, surveys have shown that they mm -hmm. are losing membership, they are losing uh, energy, orthodoxy is in ascension. And because of that, they, re they realized 100 years ago that Israel is where their future would lie. It wouldn't lie by building giant conservative temples in New Jersey. It would come from having a presence in Eretz Yisrael. And, and, and that's why, whether it's the Kotel or whatever it is, that's why they have, you know, you know they are frothing at the bit to be able to be there. I think if they pull out and say, look, it's going to be an orthodox conversion. We just want it to be within the streams of orthodoxy and Chesidah they did him and, and other killers. I, I think probably it wouldn't be the log jam that it is. I don't think it would, it, it would have the same. You're saying there's a slippery slope fear here. That's they need to say, they need to say Ben-Gurion was right, right? However, that it should be orthodox. Because right, it should be orthodox. And, 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 and you could explain it away from sociological reasons, because there's going to be orthodox girls. And why create, you're right, this is a higher standard that they believe is illogical. But that standard is still going to be practiced by them uh, putting a stamp and saying, you're a Jew. And you you're... can apply the same logic to kosher. 
that right. kosher should be by standards that everybody can participate. That's sure. correct. So, e- so even though they philosophically believe that what Orthodox demands is too much, but they realize they aren't going to wipe out Orthodox conversions. And, and since what we really want is the generations after us to be able to find Jewish boys and Jewish girls, let it at least be at, at a level that can be uh, somewhat acceptable. And I think that's, I think if they would pull out, I, I think the, all the arguments that we've made here in terms of Onos Aguirre, in terms of uh, the ricochet effect, uh, I, I think would, would, would be very helpful. But, I, but, but since they, they've got a horse in the race now, they don't want to pull out because, um, and, and I think part of, you know, as you say, Israeli hopper, I think one of the things which I think people are finding ironic is that when Bennett became prime minister, uh, there was a feeling that, oh, we finally have a prime minister who wears a kippah. We have a prime minister who really keeps Shabbos, even more than Begin did, right? Begin, you know, had a Shabbos in his house, but he, you know, he didn't necessarily say, I'm a Shemer Shabbos, um, uh, whereas Bennett does. And I think, I think that's part of the reason why there's a, a sense of outrage. How can it be, like, here's the guy w- with a yarmulke, right? Uh, who understands what Orthodox religious Judaism is, and now the threat comes from his government, from his minister, from Kahana, who is part mm-hmm. of his group. And I think that's, I think that is part of the reason why the vitriol is so strong. It's all right. Well, part of the vitriol is also coming from the realization by the Haredi community that they are losing people to the non-Haredi streams. So that's uh, right, and, and 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 again, a non-Haredi stream was wearing a kippa, right? A non-Haredi well, stream, also, but also, of course, to be, yeah, sure, sure. So right, it's and, more, and, it's more enticing. At least it's more above board for Haredi people to say, "Well, I'm just moving, you know, to a different um, uh, level within the fold, rather than I'm just leaving the fold." Sure, and that's why you know I, I think that it's one thing if uh, you're dealing with a uh, you know a a a minister who isn't religious at all. Uh, and you say, oh, you don't get it. The divide between us is so great. You're, you're, you're just a, uh, you know, you're, you're a Neanderthal. It's another thing when the people who are pushing it are people who also keep Shabbos, who also put on tzitzis every day, who also get their tefillin checked, that those are the people who are, are talking about that. I, I think it, it, it generates all the old rancor of, uh, and, and I think that's the reason why uh, when we here in America who aren't used to that type of rancor, when we hear it, that's why I think it's it's difficult for us to process it of 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 of, of because it seems there's a lot of good logical reasons that and let's not be let's not uh, omit the the uh, argument of politics here that some people feel that the Haredi objections to all this is because they're going to lose control, and with that control comes a lot of economic benefits. That is definitely a a truism, I, I can't say that's the motif, but I can tell you that in certain segments around certain issues like kosher cell phones or whatever, that is the dominant um, 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 motivator. Okay. Why just such a... <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so now you're talking about the financial aspect of... Yes, but I'm just saying you, you can't omit it because that is what you hear from a lot of sources, that that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And um, in other words, that the Dayonim the judges who are part of the system, the secretaries, 
that right. they don't, they that, that, that guarantees their power and their livelihood. That guarantees jobs for them. In other words, there are people. Sure. There, there's a whole ministry of of gear, and and right now it's 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 backed which includes, by the government, which includes a sub ministry of nepotism. <laughs> I mean, that's for real. There's no question. Right, right. right. And, and so in that way, if that gets deconstructed, then all well, these. By people- the way, that's true of motor vehicles also, and the Knesset management. It's not just that, but it is an argument that can be applied to any faction that wants to make sure they don't lose their power base. Yeah. Okay. So, so in that way, I guess you can accuse uh, the people who are pushing for it for hypocrisy because they don't want to streamline their system. They just want to streamline our system, yeah. but their system they want to keep in this labyrinth of Israeli red tape. That they're okay with, but mm-hmm. uh, this one, and uh, that could be uh, as part of the pushback. But as I said, you know, I, 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 I sort of am amused about when you know you have this great Achtus, um, and and w- where Achtus finally comes to Klal Yisrael. It's always great, you know, to have uh, you know an enemy uh, to lash out again. No- nothing creates that type of unity than having someone to throw darts at. Okay. Uh, you know, just to end on a little Purim note. You know, the Gemara says in Megillah, one of the, I think, one of the most profound statements Chazal ever made, um, which is, that there was 48 prestigious prophets who wrote beautifully, spoke beautifully, and gave such great messages of inspiration to the Jewish people about coming back to God and raising their level of religiosity. But that action of Ahasuerus taking the ring off his finger and handing it and giving the power to this enemy of ours, the one who wanted it, that did more than everything, than all the beautiful prophetic statements and, 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 and Musr, which is when things, when we sense that we're in trouble and trouble is brewing, somehow that creates uh, a change. And I don't know. I, I, I hope that in, in this situation, I, that maybe at least the cooler heads will prevail and we'll end up, as you say, with a better situation for converts and people who also understand uh, their motivation more. And, and maybe you know, it, it, these other Batedinim will, if they do arise, will also maybe provide little Parnassa for your students, where some of these gayrim should maybe go through some counseling as well, right? In terms of- well, well, you, should ne- you should never have any major change in your life without counseling, including yeah. marriage, yeah. divorce, whatever. Right, so, and I don't know if attached to these dinim are, I know there's, you, you fill out questionnaires, but I'm not sure if you meet with a uh, a, a counselor or a, a, a licensed psychologist. Well, now you can't. Chaim Walder is gone. Otherwise, you just meet with him. <laughs> we'll take care of it. <laughs> right. Well, right. You're right. He didn't. He definitely did not discriminate for age, sex, or uh, I guess national or religious or religious which origin or national origin. Well, on that sort of grub note, I guess we could uh, <laughs> wish you a freilich and other. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.